joining us in another episode of Always Be Connecting. This episode, we have Karen Stain on, and she is a leadership coach. Hello, Karen. How are you doing? Hi, great. Thank you. How are you? You're wonderful. Thank you. Uh, so talk us a little bit about your journey, who you are, where you're from, and, and what you're up to at the moment. Well, thank you. Uh, so I'm a, a, a certified executive coach. I've been, had a long-standing career as a partner in Deloitte. I've been a partner for um, over 23 years now. And in that time, I've, I've, I guess I've had two careers. Initially, I spent my earlier part of my career as a tax partner. So I was um, servicing clients in the field of research and development, taxes and incentives. And about almost a decade ago now, I did a pivot into my second career and I went and studied a Master's of Science in Coaching Psychology. And I suggested to the organisation that I'd be better placed being an executive coach to our women leaders across the firm. Um, they were quite excited about that opportunity. And so I hung up my tax boots. I deregistered as a tax agent, so never to do tax again. And I stepped into this role, which I've, I've had, as I said, for almost a decade. And in this role, I designed a program to be supporting women, senior women across Deloitte, Australia, um, to have long-term sustainable careers as their best selves, as leaders who could have a positive leadership impact and feel that they were making a difference for themselves and also for those who are part of their team. So um, it's been very joyful. I've really found it very impactful. I'm really excited that I was able to pivot into chapter two of my life, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and continuing on this journey. And it, was that a conscious decision from, from you to niche in women leadership specifically, or was no. that something that was suggested to you? No, it was conscious. I, I obviously myself being a woman had had a, a long um, sustained career in the field of professional services. Before I joined Deloitte, I'd worked in another small consulting firm for seven years. Um, I was getting to a point where I'd had a number of opportunities and roles that had come my way, but I was seeing the same women's faces and hearing the same women's voices, mine included, um, for a long period of time. And I felt that there was opportunity for many more women to have great opportunity as well with sufficient support. And it's well recognised that we don't have enough women across our whole economy globally who are in senior leadership roles. And I felt that I could um, lean into that and support other women through the field of, of executive coaching to try and identify what level of support could they have to be of their best and what did they need personally so bespoke to them as opposed to I guess a programmatic piece which was just come and sit with me for a day and you'll soon learn about how to you know have this impact you want this was very much focused on the individual so supporting them in their journey understanding what leadership meant to them what impact meant to them how they were um, challenged with it, how they were, uh, I guess, succeeding with it and what we could do to try and dial that up and dial down those challenges so that they could have a ripple effect, not only for themselves in terms of their well-being, but also for the well-being of those around them. And then moving on from that, I, I most recently um, authored my first book, um, Be Your Own Leadership Coach, Self-Coaching Strategies to Lead Your Way. And the intention of that was to take the opportunity that I was afforded with having individuals, whether on Zoom or in the room, to do coaching one-on-one, -on -one, to have an opportunity to increase the equity of access of coaching to more people. So by providing them the tools, or as I call it, the virtual backpack, filled with self-coaching practices, they too could try and identify what are the challenges they have and what's the success they'd like to have and use the opportunity through access to the book to build up their own self-coaching muscles so they too could be well-equipped to be their best. So what's, what's the world missing without more women leaders? 
Oh gosh, so much. Um, I mean, we we bring a diversity of perspective. We um, it's demonstrated through evidence that those organisations who have much more diversity in their leadership are organisations who have a high level of collaboration, learning, um, who have more innovation in the organisations. They're much more profitable, um, which you know, from a financial point of view, is is great for the organisations, and that too has a ripple effect for economies. Uh, so by having a limit in terms of the number of women leaders in organisations, we're reducing the perspectives that leadership is taking. And we're yeah. really closing in on having more of that group think, more of the same, as opposed to opening up and looking at the complexities of our world with more diverse perspectives to better understand through you know, having more leaders, women included, of different ways that we could approach these complex problems that we see day to day. So I think the more that we do it, the greater the opportunity for the organisations, but also for the individuals. We make up half of the world population. So you would hope yeah. that we too could have as successful and interesting a career as our um, male counterparts. Do you see that like where what? women haven't got the tools or they don't believe it, that they that there's an opportunity for them? Um. I, I personally have the belief that that's across all genders and, and it just so happens yeah. that the reason why we focus on women is because of the systemic issues that are surrounding us. So from a systemic point of view, if over history we've had more men who've always taken up leadership roles and built their networks and given opportunities to other men who are, are like-minded, there's been less opportunity or less advocacy or less um, ability to coach and mentor women. Therefore, less a lesser number of women have been afforded those opportunities and moved themselves into leadership roles. So in the system they're in, they might find that their voice is somewhat muted or the opportunities for them to build their eminence might be more challenging than for some of their male counterparts who have a very strong network, which has just been built over many, many years, as opposed to women who may have entered, re-entered um, the workplace because of um, family circumstances or be, be for you know aged care reasons, they might be caring for, for relatives and so on. So it's the tendency has been more women have taken on those roles and very much, you know, because of biologically, we need to um, be the ones who uh, birth children. We're the ones who are therefore taking time out initially with looking after babies and breaking that workforce pattern more so than men. So we're stepping in and out more frequently than what men have. Therefore, the opportunities for continuity are much more limited in that regard. So it takes some effort to actually yeah. build the system, to notice what's happening in the system, to try and help everybody feel a part of the system and equip everyone in the system so that they can better understand the quality of the of the communication across the system to all members of it, um, how we're making a space feel safe that everybody can feel included to voice their opinion, to uh, participate in different opportunities, to be a part of the team. And it's more than just belonging. You talk about always be connecting. I think connecting is very much about belonging, but I think we need mm. to take our minds to extending beyond belonging to making sure people feel like they matter. And that's a completely different concept. Okay. So let, let's um, expand mattering. When you talk about that, is there is there two prongs to it of the the leader mattering and the people they lead mattering and and you know who 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 needs to matter here? Uh, everybody, everybody. Yeah. So we're, if we're thinking about um, ourselves in the workplace, we all want to try and experience a workforce where everybody is flourishing. 
And for for flourishing to occur, we're looking at the well-being of individuals. So what are the behaviours, the emotions and the cognitions that we can try and nurture to allow people to be of their best? When we ask people to belong, it's actually helping them. If we look at um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the the third psychological uh, step in his hierarchy is is love and belonging. We actually want to feel a part of family and friendships and, and feel nurtured and cared for and connected. But belonging is actually just telling people this is where you fit. You belong to this team. We can put a badge on you and say you're in this team, you belong here. So you know every day when you arrive, that's where you belong. That's where you should sit. That's who you work with. But it doesn't necessarily make people feel like they matter. That's funny, isn't it? Because there's that two meanings of belonging. It's like being a belonging. Yes, yes. Belonging, yeah. Yeah, and and that's a really interesting way of of looking at it. I hadn't actually thought of of it as being a... um, an asset in terms of that belonging. But I think when we think of belonging for individuals, we're not trying to make them feel like they're just something that's written up in a book. We're hoping through our openness to making them feel that they belong, that they're a part of something, that they feel some kind of intrinsic uh, response to that. It often falls short and this is what we could do more of. So if we think about how do we make people feel that they also matter, And when people feel they matter, they feel that they're of significance and of worth. They feel like they add value and that they're of value. And people feel that people are aware of them. They actually um, recognise that they're given the right attention for the uh, efforts that they can put in so that people have an understanding of what they can contribute. Um, There's some kind of reliance or dependency on people's skills or output or um, contribution towards it. So you get more diversity and a feel of need for my uh, participation as opposed to me just sitting there and belonging. And so that lifts up people's level of confidence and well-being. Um, it makes people yeah. feel a greater sense of community because I feel like I matter to you. I feel like if um, if you're not here and you matter to me, I'll actually notice that. I'll feel that I need you and I've noticed that you're not here and you matter. Therefore, there's a greater dependency and reliance on us teaming together and feeling like we're doing something together of worth and significance. And that's what I think we need to spend and pay more attention to. And there's a lot that we can do in how we can make people feel that they matter because the benefits when people feel they matter are are huge in terms of the the positive emotional effect, Mm. um, their people's empowerment, their level of connectivity, their agility, and they feel much more confident and enabled. And that's where you get the best out of people. People really flourish in that capacity. So do you have tips? of how to build that atmosphere yeah i think it's i think the first thing is coming back to humanity and and rather than just um coming into the workplace and just getting on with things and doing what we do i think we need to think about who do we need to be and that's everybody whether you're in a more senior role or you're middle management or you're entering early into the organization who do you want to be and how can i help other people feel that they can be their best selves So the simplest of things, if we bring kindness into the way we lead, kindness into the way we approach people. So the more that I know of you in terms of who you are, what are your values, what are your beliefs, what do you stand for, uh, what's necessary to to assist you in being your best self. So if I understand your needs, then I can try and accommodate those needs. And the needs could be as simple as you might have childcare responsibilities and your need is you need to leave the workplace before four o'clock to pick up your kids from daycare. Therefore, when I'm offering opportunities, I need to have that in mind to say, well, we need to ensure that we don't have you entering into a meeting at 4.30, which is going to upset that. 
Um, we can look at other needs. Perhaps it's needs around your strengths. So if I know what your strengths are, I can bring the best out in you. But if I don't know that, I just know that you belong and you're part of my team and you're just someone I'll allocate to a particular engagement assignment or, or project, then I'm not really um, connecting with you. I'm not really understanding who you are and understanding the worth that you can offer and the value that you can offer and allow you to add value because you can be of your best self. Yeah. So the simplest of things, knowing who, who are the people that you work with, ensuring we connect with them so we actually speak with them, we understand who they are, we pay attention to them and, and have time where we understand that we can sit down and, and provide feedback so that they can, you know, understand how that they can lift themselves to build on the skills that they're trying to develop and, and give them ideas and examples of how they can do things differently to improve those behaviours. It's really just very much human connection in helping people feel that they matter. The smallest things, saying hello to somebody can make people feel like they matter. Smiling at them, nodding your head makes them feel like they matter. But if they walk into an office and no one lifts up their heads or their eyes don't connect with anybody oh, or true. people continue on the phone or shut their doors, nobody feels like they matter. Yeah, right. So how, how do you uh, approach management with that kind of type of leadership? In, in providing feedback and direction and accountability because that's hard, it's hard to be a manager and a friend. Yes. But trying to sort of balance those things. Yes. I don't think we need to be thinking about building friendships. I think about management, it comes to leadership. So what's the impact that you'd like to have when you're managing people? If you want to have a positive, long-lasting impact, which is motivating and inspiring and enduring when you've left the room so that people put in discretionary effort, they feel well supported, it starts with that level of empowerment and connection. So how am I connecting and empowering my team? How am I delegating with purpose so they understand the context of what we're doing rather than me just delegating and pouring into their cup without them really understanding what it is they're about to drink? How yeah. do I actually sit with them? <laughs> And talk to them about, this is what we're doing. This is this is what the objective is. This is why I need you to do this. So I'd like you to do A, B, C, and this is, this is the way that I'd like you to approach it. What questions might you have for me to help support you to be able to do this? Yeah. Or what other support might you need? So actually just it's, it's micro moments of actually paying attention to how you're engaging with people to build trust, to ensure that you can open up quality communications where people feel that they can come to you with a question as opposed to feel, oh, that would be a bit of a career-limiting move if I approached you. You seem really hostile and angry and I don't want to get in your way and have you mark me poorly just because you're in a bad mood. So it's paying attention to ourselves as management. What is the impact I'm having? What yeah. is the visibility of my actions and my behaviours? What's the perception I'm creating? Is it one of inclusivity is it one where I'm demonstrating I'm listening and open and, and offering opportunities for people to contribute? Or is it always about me and it's my way or the highway? And yeah. when that happens, it's really hard for people to feel that there's a sense of connection and mattering because they don't feel heard and they won't feel seen. And that's really what everybody wants. There's a certain amount of making time for that as well, hey? Oh, sure. And, and everyone will tell you how busy they are. I don't have time to do that but it only takes small moments of time and you can find that you can increase effectiveness of everybody 
by actually yourself included because if yeah. you're more effective in how you delegate you've got less work to do when it comes back and it wasn't what you wanted so if you actually make those moments in time to actually make sure we're all on the same page we all understand what our roles are we all understand why we're doing what we're doing so we have common purpose we're connected in how we're, we're doing it I can help you feel that you matter because I can bring to your attention the strengths that you could use in responding to this I could talk about why your expertise is of value. So again, you feel like you matter and we can move forward. So it, it's helping me then go and do other things with my time so I can be more effective in my role as well. And we're talking about this in like management terms, but then also there's there's quotes I've seen of everybody being a leader and how everybody has the opportunity to make other people feel that they matter yeah. Um, that they're empowered, that they're supported. Uh, is it? Have you got something in your experience from that end of things where people who aren't in traditional leadership roles are 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 showing the leadership qualities? I absolutely do, and and I, I wrote about that precisely in in my book because I start off by helping people understand that to be your own leadership coach, we're not just writing for people, or I wasn't just writing for people who are already badged as leaders with you know yeah, yeah, yeah. the name of who they are and what their position is kind of strongly pinned to their lapel. I'm writing about it for everybody because everybody is able to be a leader. Leadership is an act or a set of practices. It's not just a title. And so if we all recognise that every day we engage in leadership practices, leadership acts, the way we talk to people is leading and role modelling. If I talk to you with kindness and friendliness, I'm role modelling an appropriate way of connecting. If I speak to you in, in a rude manner or I'm dismissive of you, I'm role modelling and leading how I think it's appropriate in this environment for us to communicate which wouldn't be the most appropriate way. So if we all recognise that we're all leaders, how we show up at work, how we apply ourselves, uh, we lead in the way that we um, engage with other people, ask questions, we show that because I don't have all the answers, I will seek more information. That's leading for other people around me who are observing me. And everyone in an organisation, regardless of your title, will be watched by other people in the organisation, people who also yeah. are part of your team or who are an adjoining team or who you're doing work for, they'll be observing you and they'll be picking up the different ways that you in your role are working and leading. So yeah. if we all take notice of, well, how do I make sure that I feel I matter and how do I make sure I allow other people to feel like they matter by engaging with them in a way that brings kindness into leadership that brings um, responsibility and ownership and is purpose-driven and value-based, then we're all going to be able to lift ourselves to have improved well-being and more of us flourishing in the workplace because we feel a greater sense of community than if we're feeling very isolated and lonely. And although you tell me I belong, I don't feel a part of things because nobody's speaking to me, nobody's giving me feedback, nobody's coaching me or mm. counselling me. I may as well not be here. That's a real sense of loneliness, even though I'm a part of something and I'm, I've told I belong. But if I don't matter, it's really hard to tell me I should remain here and feel that I do belong. And what, what happens if that person does matter, but they feel like that? Is there a way for them to uh, feed that back <laughs> and sure. make themselves heard? Because it must be a very... Uh, 
you don't know how to articulate it. You don't know who to approach. You don't know what to say when. Like, so mm. if you if you have a moment, how do you empower yourself to sort of like rise back up to that? Mm. I think the first thing is actually knowing how do you lead yourself. And and so if you can identify sure. what are your values, so what are your strong personal beliefs, what's your purpose, so why do you do what you do and um, what is the problem that you're there to solve in terms of, of why you're in that role, uh, and then also what are my strengths, I can start focusing on understanding more of me. Once I understand myself better, I can start to recognise, aha, now I understand why I matter. Now I understand what my purpose is and what I can do to affect that purpose. And then I can start to communicate that to other people. So it might be that I can start talking to them about, um, you know, when I'm working in this team, I haven't had any opportunities to participate. I was hoping that you'd be able to include me in the next opportunity just to remind you these are the skills that I bring. These are the strengths. I think that they could be quite appropriate in this opportunity. So it's seeking out coaches. It's seeking out mentors. It's seeking out advocates if you don't yet have any to help mm. support you in your role. I call it your personal board of directors. Who's going to be there that you can approach for help and support and explore and discover new ways of doing so? That would be your coach. Yeah. Who are you going to ask for advice and have someone tell you what to do? That would be your mentor. And who's going to be the person who seeks opportunities and champions your name even when you're not in the room? And that would be your advocate. So if you haven't identified your coach, your mentor and your advocate, I'd start thinking about who in my organisation might be good people that I could be speaking to to see if they would be open to being in that role with me and being in support of me in my career. And that can help you start to then bubble up and, and talk to them about why you feel you matter or don't matter. Um, how can you explore with them opportunities to feel more of a sense of mattering rather than feeling a greater sense of loneliness or isolation? Um, how can you find opportunities to better participate rather than feel that you, you're not belonging and you're not a part of the team or, or um, bringing of your best self? Uh, all of those can aid in, in supporting yourself, but start with self. If you know more about yourself, it's easier through self-reflection to then bring that to other people's attention to say, this is what I see in me how could you help me and also don't forget other people will see things in you that you don't see in yourself so seeking feedback yeah. can be really really helpful to also help you identify how other people see that you do matter you might not yet see it but maybe hearing from them could be helpful as well and it's, it's hard to approach people to with these things in mind the mentor the advocate the coach like how, how do you identify candidates and how do you approach them yeah I'd, I'd hope that if, if we take the premise that most organizations would have good people in them as yeah. opposed to the premise that all organizations are really tough places to work and nobody wants to you know help anyone um let, oh. let's let's go with the more positive stance within those organizations you'll have opportunity sometimes you'll be allocated a, a coach or it might just be called a buddy or um it could be called a, a counselor you might be called, when you join an organisation, they often say, this is the person you'll report into and this is the person who you can ask questions of day to day. And so you can start to build out an understanding of, well, who is this person and, and how can they help and support me and what questions can I ask and are they being effective in supporting me? Have I had a conversation with them after a period of time once I get to know them to understand how we could be in a coaching relationship or a mentoring relationship? Usually if it, it takes more than it just happening. It takes a meeting of minds. 
Because if I have an expectation that you'll be my mentor and tell me what to do and sit me down and, and help me identify better ways of doing things, if you don't know that, that that's my expectation of you, I'll always be disappointed. Say, oh, you're not mentoring me very well. And you, you'll walk away thinking, oh, that was a good conversation, but you wouldn't know that I was expecting more. So I'd actually enter into a conversation to say, look, I'm looking for a mentor. Um, I admire the role that you have and I've seen how you're working. I was wondering if you'd have opportunity to be a mentor with me and perhaps we could meet once a month or once every two months and have conversations about where I'm up to or what are some of the challenges I'm facing. And perhaps you could mentor me and you could talk through your understanding of what mentoring is as opposed to what coaching is. Mentoring is really reflecting on that person's professional or lived experience to get them to tell you what you should be doing. So you might be saying, this is where I'm up to. What do you think? And you might say, well, in my experience, when I was at, in that role, the way I approached it was I did A, B and C. Why don't you try that? That's mentoring. Coaching mm -hmm. is when you're going to find somebody who you can sit with um, and have a collaborative conversation of exploration and discovery. And the coach will ask you lots of questions to help open up that discovery. They're not going to tell you what to do because they're stepping into mentoring. They're going to hold a space for you where you can inquire and understand and, and build out that self-awareness as to what's working well and what's not. What should I do more of? What should I do less of? Uh, what are the patterns I'm beginning to see in my behaviors or my thinking or my emotions? And how do I respond to those patterns? And that's going to happen in a coaching sense where you're exploring that in, in that collaborative conversation. And the advocate, again, is finding someone who is probably more senior in your organisation, who has a, an existing network where opportunities might flow in and so that they would be well equipped to identify those opportunities for you and have you in mind. So it's actually them seeing it and thinking, aha, Lindsay's the right person for this. I'll just let this team know that I think this is a good opportunity for Lindsay. Could you please engage? Yeah. And this is where they're putting themselves at risk because if you come and enter into this opportunity without doing your best work, their reputation's on the line. So it's actually recognising that there's a, a relationship between the advocate and the, the advocate or the sponsor and sponsee to make sure you're also supporting that advocate in their goals and also responding in a way of responsibility to, to the opportunities they afford you. So that makes it really important to have, be connecting in a, in a large network Yes. to be able to, to, to find these people uh, among, among not just in the, the corporation that you may work in, maybe you work in a smaller team. There's there's still people in the wider industry, yeah, yeah. working events, places that you can find those things. Yeah, it, it's a mixture. So it, it could be that you, it could be you have um, an organisation that's large enough that you can identify people within it. It could be you're part of a team and it just makes sense in that team that that person could be my coach that person could be my mentor. Sometimes you might have them acting in both roles, but you need to be really clear as to, well, which hat are they wearing in, in the conversation <laughs> we're having and have they taken off that hat and then put on the next hat when they're talking to me as a coach. So it can get a bit confusing. Some organisations will have some programs where they say, look, we're building out a mentors program. We want volunteers of people who'd like to be mentors and you can put your hand up if you'd like to have a mentor and then it's a matter of connecting and finding the right fit. Yeah. Um, so it can come from lots of different ways, but I really do think the responsibility is on yourself to identify what are your needs, what's going to best place you to be of your best self. 
Yeah. And then who do you need to find to be in your personal board of directors to be in support of you? Don't wait for people to come up and, and say, oh, I've been watching you and what you need is this, this and this. It's really our own responsibility to identify that and then maybe seek help in finding the right people. And what's the benefit to the executive coach team? Like when when, when was the first time you were a, a mentor or a coach and sort of how, how did you feel being part of that? Well, as a, as a mentoring coach early in my career, when I had teams, I was absolutely mentoring individuals within the teams, possibly coaching them to a lesser degree, probably should have coached them more and, and allowed them to form more of their own viewpoints rather than hearing more from me and me mentoring them through it. As I started to mature in my career, um, I was myself given a coach. I was put on a leadership program and offered a coach and, and absolutely fell in love <clears throat> Excuse me, um, with the, the actual process of coaching. I, I suddenly learned the difference between coaching and mentoring and thought it was fabulous. So um, that was, you know, um, going back oh, probably a good 15, 20 years when I had my first coach. And it started to allow me to learn more about myself and explore more about myself, which I found really, really helpful in, in how I could be a better leader and have a better impact and perhaps make more opportunities for my team members to learn from themselves rather than just learn from me as, as a mentor. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's highly beneficial. There's some studies that are done which demonstrate that when people do have a coach, um, they will actually have greater opportunities for progress in their own careers. When they have a coach and a mentor, it's even yeah. more so. And when they have an advocate, it's even greater. So those people who are able to find themselves an advocate, a mentor and a coach will find that they have more opportunities for growth. They're actually paid more because they're moving through the opportunities more quickly. So if, if, that, if money is a motivator, it might be even more of a motivator to find that coach, that mentor and advocate. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, those people who take up those roles of advocacy and mentorship, they too are found to progress further in their careers. Um, they actually are also found to be remunerated more highly because I guess they too are building up their skills in the way that they're supporting others to be of their best and to come through behind them and support them as they move forward into the next opportunity. When people people find their team, but what, what other things do they need to find in themselves? to um to connect to matter and then to be able to make other people feel that they matter that, that you know there's there's sort of a sense need, need of purpose yeah and values how how do you formulate those do you, do you adopt the, the the company values and purpose or do you, can you have your own values and purpose yeah, I think we need to have our own. And then it's a matter of calibrating those with the organization you're working with. Yeah. So if I know that my values are, are um, let's say the value of fairness and kindness and family, these are some of my values. And I want to honor those as I continue through my career. When I'm entering or working with an organization, I will be cognizant of what are the values of the organization. Will my values be able to be honored with this organization or not? Yeah. And so by understanding the values of the organisation, I can then also assess, is this a good fit? Yeah, do, do we have a matching of minds in terms of our values? Our purpose might differ considerably. So an organisation might have a purpose um, for which I look at it and think, mm, I wonder how I can actually also calibrate my purpose with them. But 
if we look at understanding what's the purpose of the organization, why do they do what they do? What is the problem that they're here to solve? And then why do I feel I can play a part in that? Why do I matter in also helping with that purpose? That's when I can see that my individual purpose is also able to sit neatly with the purpose of the organization. So it's actually stopping and finding some time to reflect on that. Um, Mm. You know, the easiest thing is getting a pen and paper out and actually writing these things out um, rather than just kind of sitting in space and wondering, but actually, you know, writing it out to understand, well, what are my core values? In my book, I actually help and support people by giving them the language to express and identify what their values are and similarly what their strengths are. And then I give them some self-coaching exercises to work through to understand, well, how do you then identify your purpose? So they could work through those types of exercises yeah. And then from there, start to think, well, how does that sit with me being a part of this organisation? Is this the right place for me to have my career? Um, and if so, how do I make the best of it? And if not, what's the decisions I need to make to feel that I'm going to have the best life that I can have with the best career opportunities that I can have and feel that I'm in sync with with who I want to be? What a great activity. And I don't think... Uh... Uh, as a Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen X, millennial person, <laughs> I don't think I ever did anything like that. Like identify my own values, and you can be cynical and like think that corporate values are marketing or uh, you you know empty empty words, but they're they're really important to sort of set who you are and where you stand in the world. So what a great thing to do to do that for yourself. Hmm. And uh, I don't think I've ever heard of that before, like uh, sort of because uh, especially sort of the younger job hunting, you know, I was I was talking to a colleague where his partner uh, took a night to think about it, and when they called back, they said, "Oh, sorry, the job's gone," because uh, a lot of the time, it's it's like when you when you get a job, you feel that you have to take it there and then, that or it's gonna go, and like sometimes that is the case, you know. Sometimes you do have to move quickly in 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 job interviews and things like that, but. I I think I think maybe we're, it is a, a point where things are changing a little bit in sort of the recruitment of things and the power um, imbalance, like in in both parties mattering, both the yeah. people who are providing the opportunity and the people who are going to help drive that purpose and and the the economic safety of that of that business yeah Um, you would hope in that example that there was a pressing need as to why they couldn't wait you know 12 hours till the next morning to allow that person just to make sure it's the right decision when when you're looking at the values it can tell you a lot about the culture of the organization as well so you're hoping that you two can look at the values and understand well if that's what they're suggesting they stand for I'm hoping the culture will match that so it could be that their values are around diversity and inclusion for instance I would hope, therefore, when I enter into that space, that I'll feel that I'm much more able to participate and and be my best self and and, um, be me as me, as opposed to trying to shape myself to be um, 
the norm of what this organization is. So if they're allowing for diversity and inclusion, it sounds like it might match who I want to be. I want to be myself and bring the best of me into that. So it's a nice litmus test too, to be able to say, okay, if that's what, what they're suggesting they are, and I've spoken to enough people in the organization through the interview process to try to test that with perhaps some questions that you might ask them about the values and how is it evidenced in the organization? Because don't forget just when you're in a job interview, you're also interviewing the organization to make sure it's the right organization for you. But you should have questions the about the organization. If yeah. it's the wrong one, it's it, that's not good for your health or it's not good. Exactly. Uh, if you have to leave and you have long gaps of employment or you have short employments on your CV, that, that it's important to match correctly. Hey. Yeah, as best you can. Uh, you know, you spend a considerable amount of time in the workplace. And so you want it to be an enjoyable uh, period of time as well. And you want to feel that you're doing things that you feel too matter and are of worth and are significant and that you can feel like you matter in doing that. So it's first understanding the organization, um, understanding what they do, why they do it. It's understanding their values. It's understanding also day to day, how are those values brought to life? So the culture, how, how is that exhibited and what can they tell you about that and give you examples and how will you be supported in the workplace will you have access to a coach or a mentor or otherwise you can ask these questions in your job interviews and if that job's not for you that's okay because there'll be another job that is for you and that job will be right for somebody else who has different values to you so um I appreciate we're, we're, we have different reasons why we're seeking jobs and sometimes we have to be in a job as quickly as we can for financial reasons. I appreciate that. But if you have space to allow yourself to try and identify a job which will give you more purpose and will allow you to better match your values, then it's yeah. a higher likelihood that you'll have a sustainable career within that environment than a lesser period of time. Yeah, and... If you're in the wrong job or the wrong career as well, there is opportunity for change because you did so yeah. yourself. Hey, like you, yeah, changed. yeah. You know, like was was that a difficult time? Like it was or... an exciting time. It was exciting. <laughs> I, I, I was, um, yeah. As you can see by the hair color, I, I was hitting my my midway point. So I was determined that I wanted my second half of my life because after fifty, I was de I'm determined to live to hundred and have chapter two, and um, it's nice. impactful. And I felt the work I'd done to date had been purposeful, but it wasn't going to see me through for chapter two. And I wanted to do something that I felt was more connected to individuals and helping and supporting them. So for me, in going and studying part-time whilst I was working, I loved my study. I was just thriving and it really changed my perspective and my mindset. This was the, the Master of Science in Coaching Psychology. It just opened my mind to so much more. Um, and I really found that I had, had, well, I felt that I'd found my place. And that was why for me, it was exciting. And the fact that I was able to speak to the organization to say, hey, this is who I am. These, this is my experience in the organization. These are the skills and the experience I now have. I think that there's a role for this. How do you feel about it? And they were excited about it and you know, straight through to the CEO. Um that absolutely was was fabulous that I had that opportunity to do so in in the organization that I really enjoyed being in. So I hadn't yeah. had no really didn't have an intention of of leaving at that time. I and wanted the, to stay and the there space and, and of being able to say, I want to change things up a bit. Yeah, 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 which was which was great. And it was also in line very much with the values of the organization. 
they too felt it was important to try and support more women into senior roles in the organisation globally. Um, they too wanted to do things a little bit differently and, and they allowed me to do this and it was different to what we would have seen of our competitors in the marketplace offering such programs um, by someone like myself in the organisation. So that was uh, you know, quite joyful to be able to have that opportunity and then to try my best to make the most of that opportunity, which um, it, it has been a fabulous, um, as I said, almost 10 years doing the coaching there. So I think that's just the the most beautiful it's it's like talking about Maslow hierarchy of needs is like yeah. near the top of uh, <laughs> self-actualization uh, of, of mattering yeah. is being able to define yourself within your own role, yeah. even when you're employed to say, this has been my job. This is what I feel my direction is. Can we make this work together? Sort of the icky guy of like, you know, yeah. what 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 can the, the business get out of this uh, as, as part of my chapter two? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and look, in, in I was lucky that there was enough latitude in the organization to allow for that and enough interest and, and people could see the worth of what I was offering. It won't be in every organization that they will have the ability to say, sure, let's do what you want to do, because they'll also have other business needs that need to be served. Um, so I do appreciate that it's been a very privileged role and an opportunity, but I'm so glad that it did occur. That's not to say within the roles that you have, you can't find a sense of mattering. You can't build your self-determination. So, you know, build, build your own competencies and mastery in terms of yeah, your expertise yeah. in that. Build your autonomy in identifying how you do what you do so that you have more choice in the way you work and how you work and how you think and how you question things, that's building up your autonomy in what you're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and building a sense of relatedness, that sense of belonging. That's really important too for self-determination. And when we increase our levels of self-determination, we increase our own self-belief and we increase our own uh, levels of confidence and our happiness increases, our subjective happiness, our well-being improves. So no matter what your role, if you're able to also focus on that self-determination, on your mastery, autonomy and relatedness, you too can try and affect change as to how you are experiencing the role that you currently have. Yeah. Beautiful. I I love that. And, and I think I'm going to really take that specifically on board that, you know, you, you want to be able as a leader to bring people in to be able to be self-determinant, if yes. that's the word. Yeah. And then the reverse of that, you want to be able to not get stuck in the the, the traps of the day-to-day, -day, but to find a point where you're comfortable enough, you've got a bit of space to be able to understand how you can do better for yourself and matter more for yeah. yourself. I think that's really beautiful. It is. Yeah. It, it it makes it the the experience much more beneficial for yourself, um, much more joyful. You you feel it, it. The ripple effect is great. If you feel you matter, it ripples to other people because you feel much more positively inclined. So the people around you will experience that as well, and yeah. and that's makes for a healthier workplace. More people feel much you know much more at ease in being together and working together and collaborating together. 
And so how do people connect with you? Because you're a coach and you have a, a book that came out last year yes. and it did very well around the circuit. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, it's exciting. It's my first book. And um, the reason I wrote it was really to try and elevate, as I said, the access of of um, access to coaching strategies through reading the book, through building up your self-coaching muscles, because not everybody can afford to pay for a coach. Um, you know, there is a financial commitment in having a coach. Not every organization offers coaching. And even if you do have a coach, the sessions are limited. So you won't always have a coach, you know, in per- perpetuity the sessions will come to an end or there'll be spaces in between each coaching session where you too need to take some action to build up your own coaching response, your own self-coaching muscles. So the intention was if I could have more people build up their self-coaching muscles through access to the book, then it's going to allow people to be their best or better self, which will have a beautiful ripple effect for themselves and for others. To my mind, that means our teams are, are much more improved and their well-being is improved, as are our organisations, our communities, and step by step, we can actually try and make this world a better place. So that was why I wanted to write the book. Uh, it's done really, really well. In fact, um, in two weeks' time, I'm heading across to India um, where it's been picked up by a second publisher by Pan Macmillan in India, and I'm doing a, a, a book tour over there to introduce the book into India um, I've never been there, so going there with purpose is oh, highly beautiful. exciting. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I'm taping the audio version of the book um, also this month, which is exciting. So when those people are out there walking in the morning, doing their exercise, or going for a jog, and they've got their earbuds in, oh, they'll be able to listen. Such a to great well. space to listen to something like this. Yeah, well, I think in our own time, we find those spaces where we can reflect. So I think having access to the audio version could be quite useful. Where, where's your space? Where do you like to listen to things? Um, well, I, You're to a reader. Fair, I don't do enough running and walking. So, <laughs> And when I do, I just like to kind of savour the environment and hear the birds and, you know, just take in what's yeah, around me. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's just dedicated time where I find a nice comfy chair and sit and read. I, I love to read um, continuously learning. So for me, it's just each day finding a little bit of time to eke out to read something new, to read something that might be something I've learnt before, but maybe look at it in a different way and see it from a different perspective and maybe shape it differently again. Um, that really works for me. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much um, for joining us um, and sharing your ideas. Uh, uh, this is going to come out in February, so that might even be okay. when your audio yeah. book is available do you know do you know what platforms it's going to be available on yet or uh, to to be determined it's still um <laughs> once once i tape it they'll tell me who's putting it out and i couldn't tell you off the top of my head but yeah, i'll yeah. i'll make sure that i put it out on my linkedin profile so if people want to you know connect with me there they'll be able to follow it there and also um, my book has its own website karenstainecoaching.com and they can follow also what's happening around the book, which will talk to the audio version as well. We'll find the link and put it in with the episode. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Karen. Appreciate you coming. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun.